mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Arkansas, no. <laughs> All right, so we are back with episode 49, and this is the Charlie. And this episode. is confirmed, right? Confirmed. You said this is a confirmed grandchild. This is a jabby kid, so um, Abby and John David. Oh, okay. Charlie. Charlie. So. Now, do they have the C name, like, convention or no? Like are all no, their no, kids no, 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 okay. nobody really. Di- so basically, Anna probably thought everybody was going to do it, and then she was like, the only one that did a letter. Oh, okay. And then it seems like maybe Josiah and Lauren, Lauren, like she said something about wanting to do A, B, C, D, and so kind of that way. But they've had miscarriages, and so you know, so kind of. But yeah. The fact that they can plan for that and be like, we'll get halfway through the alphabet is wild. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, like, I guess we're capped at 26. Right. Like <laughs> most people get like the alliteration, but if they do like the whole alphabet, they're like, we made it through N. Yep. <laughs> okay. I have a couple orders of business. Ooh, here it is. First one is a funny story that Tim doesn't know. I, I found about found out about this in the middle of the day and i was gonna text him i was like no no no, i'll wait for him to get home and then i was like no 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 i'll wait till we record to tell him (laughs) okay double surprise so um little backstory just so people kind of understand the context of these people maybe it's not that important but i'm gonna tell it anyway (laughs) so we have some family friends that we know through my oldest sister and Mm brother-in-law so friends that they when they when he was um when my brother-in-law was active duty in the military they met this other couple Turns out that they're also from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Their kids are the exact same ages. Mm-hmm. And then when, when they both got out, they both moved back home to Arizona. So they didn't know each other previously. But then right. it was like, oh, we're both from the same state. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, they've been kind of, they've become like extended family to our family. Yeah, They're at our Thanksgivings. Their parents mm-hmm. come to our Thanksgivings. They're just a part of the whole extended thing. Anyway, so today... I get a text him from Angie, and she says, so funny story, we're in a vintage shop in Portland, and these two ladies were talking about your podcast. Oh, my God. (laughs) They're obsessed with it and said to tell you they're super fans. And then she sends a picture of two people, and I was just like, oh, my God, that's so funny. My world's colliding, especially, like, in a vintage (laughs) shop, no less. And I was like, what the hell? And she said, pretty sure they didn't know each other and were bonding over the Cabbage Patch doll. I assume you know why. And I was like, oh my. And then she sends a picture. So look at your phone. I sent you the pictures, Tim. Okay. Um, and there's like this creepy like Cabbage Patch doll like sitting up above. <laughs> but I was like, oh my God, that makes it even funnier. And she's just like, right. And so I was just telling her like mm-hmm. how crazy. So um, she didn't give me names. I don't know if she didn't get their names, period, or if she just didn't tell me. So okay. are you? if you were... Uh, 
the people who ran into our friends in a vintage shop in Portland, uh, you know, reach out, say hi. Oh, my Like, gosh. to meet you. Um, it was Emily who overheard them. So she was like, it's Emily who did it. So oh, I, my gosh. I could totally see Emily being like, are you talking about blah, blah, blah? <laughs> like, she totally would. That is so cool. So such a funny, and even funnier that they may not know each other and that two strangers were just, like, looking at the same Cabbage Patch doll and then, like, oh, and then our, like, our podcast came up. Oh, my gosh. So... I'm like, this is wild. So, like, it's been numbers on a screen, which has still been a big deal to me. Very, you know, giving me massive anxiety. (laughs) But it's like, it's numbers on a screen with these statistics, but also hundreds of messages from you guys. And so, like, that makes it like, oh, my God, oh, my God. But there's something about finding out, like, something like this happening in the wild (laughs) where I'm like, what the fuck? especially if they didn't know each other and they were just like hey cabbage patch doll there's i hope that's the correct story but that's what she thought (laughs) happened but incredible crazy so then my sister that i know them through i sent her like screenshots i'm like and she's like oh my god and i'm like i know and she's like well i guess she's like so weird but maybe not that weird when you're like number four and i'm like i don't know it's still really fucking weird (laughs) but like weird in a good way but so awesome yeah i just thought that was a funny story and i wanted you to hear it for the first time here Amazing. So if you met a a family from Arizona and you were talking about Cabbage Patch dolls in a vintage shop in Portland, reach out. <laughs> Digging up the duckers at gmail.com. Well, like on Saturday, um, it was my nephew's birthday party. Tim actually got to go. He never gets to go to this show. Weird. So he got to go. And you know how birthday parties are. Like you mm-hmm. see some people that you haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. So like my other sister's best friend who i haven't seen actually in a couple years now just because of various things we were just like kind of catching up and she was like what are you doing like i haven't talked to her since before everything went down with my job but i know Mm -hmm. she has to know like through my sister Mm -hmm. but she was just like so like what are you doing now and i was like well like i sell vintage and i'm like and i have like a podcast that's doing pretty well (laughs) and then she was like oh my god you've always wanted to sell vintage and it was one of those things where in the moment you're i was just like do i tell somebody like oh my god i'm number four on spotify but then i was like no i won't do but it's just like this weird you're it feels like this weird middle ground where it's like you feel like we're doing this thing but you're like i don't like the people around you don't really know or understand like because i feel like the people that are super close to us don't listen yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like the vast majority of people that are, like, family or, like, you know, people that we see on a really regular basis. They don't listen. <laughs> they don't. Or, you know, I have friend of the pod, Tiffany, that listens. So when she would deliver pastries and desserts to the hotel that I used to work at, she'd be like, can we talk about your episode? And we, you know what I mean? But, like, that was the closest person. Well, it's like, and I have my niece that listens Mm -hmm. but that's kind of it and like you know so even like one of my sisters this weekend um, my second oldest sister was just like congratulations I'm so (laughs) proud of you she's like I've been telling everybody at work that you're number four but I'm like but I know she doesn't listen and I'm not offended but I'm just like you know (laughs) it doesn't bother me but Mm -hmm. it it makes me think back to in the early days of listening to my favorite murder when Karen and Georgia were like kind of like, you know, moving up on the charts Mm -hmm. and they were like, and then they're like, my family has no fucking clue what that means or what's going on. And then like when they really hit it big, I remember her, like, I think it was Karen saying being at some family thing. And then it was just like, like everybody was just kind of like, that's nice. And then like moved on (laughs) and her just kind of being like, no, it's kind of like a thing, but you don't know what to like. 
And then later on, um, one of them was like, their family was like, oh, like when they finally got like an award for something, they were just like, oh, it really is something. And and not that it would, not that will ever be that big and like getting, but it is, it is this kind of weird spot where it's like, the people around you don't really know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, do I just be like, no, you don't understand. It's kind right. of a thing. Or mm-hmm. like, do you just like, I just kind of shut up. Like, I don't know. I'm so glad you brought that up because there's two people that are in like the video video game streamer like twitch streamer like area that um they're married and one of when they were having their child they were in the hospital and because she was in the hospital because her her daughter had like some complications so they were in the hospital for an extended period of time a bunch of the nurses were like chatting and trying to get to know them and they were like oh what do you do and she's like Oh well, well I'm a I'm a I'm a vi- I'm a Twitch streamer. I I stream video games, and even then, it's still this thing where people are like, "Oh, like it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like you don't have a real job." Yeah, is kind I, of like- I think that's kind of like when I was like, "I'm doing vintage," and I have a pretty I'm doing pretty good with my podcast. I was like, "Good job on the vintage," and I, and I don't I'm not mad. I mean, of course, of course yeah, but yeah, I yeah. I think it just sounds like this like hobby thing. Like I mean, right. it's not like we're making real money, so it's. It's not like we're like I'm not making career money out of it. Correct. But yeah. but I'm just like it's still more than just like a little thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're in this weird spot where you don't want to overinflate it, but you're also kind of want to give yourself credit at the same yeah. time. It's weird. Well, she it's the streamer that I'm thinking about brought up the fact that like her main like doctor was like, "Oh, what do you do?" and she's like, "Oh, well, me and my husband are both, you know, streamers and, you know, he does some casting and blah blah blah." And he was like the doctor was like, oh, yeah, my my son plays like like Fortnite, and she's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Like that's cool that he was trying to like reach some yeah. common ground, but she was like, we he, don't yeah. do anything related to Fortnite. Like that's just. But once again, the mindset she was like, I felt like I was constantly having to like defend myself to be like, no, it's a real job. I promise. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and what do people call a real job? Do I have to make a certain amount of money before Correct. they call it a real? Yeah. I, and I think it gets mm-hmm. into this weird thing. So then it's like that's where I'm like, well, I'm doing these two things because I am t- doing these two things. But mm-hmm. it's just a weird space. <laughs> but it's funny because um, my oldest sister, who doesn't listen, but her oldest daughter does, mm-hmm. and like she, like even one time she was like, I don't want you to be like upset that I don't listen. It's just that stuff is heavy for. And I'm like, it's fine. I understand. Yeah. Like, it's not your bag. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But um, she's been like super excited with all of our like milestones and like telling my <laughs> brother-in-law. And so, but when I first was like, oh my God, we're in the top 25. She was like, you're going to have an AG1 ad before you know it. And so that's been like her joke with me in every text. I'll be mm-hmm. like, oh my God, look, we're number eight. Oh my God, we're number four. And she was like, yep, AG1 next since everybody does athletic greens. <laughs> and um, her husband, like well, on Saturday, he was like, "You guys, blah blah blah, you should be having this, 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 yeah. and this." And so, like, he's in it on like the, the money end, and I'm like, "But we're, but we're like, it's we're number four, you know." Yeah. And he's like, "You should be making this and this yeah. and this." He watches a lot of like people that like live out of an RV or like live out of a van that like roam the country, you know, and his. Um, Whitney's oldest sister was saying to me, she's like, every time Andrew watches those YouTube videos, he was like, if these people can get sponsored by AG1. Like, <laughs> Tim and Whitney it. should have blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. It's funny. Yeah. It's kind of nice to have like that level of like, 
I may not consume what you're producing, but I'm just so here for you. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's been a lot of our stuff. And as you get older, you kind of, your friend group sometimes gets smaller and, you know, but it's nice to have people that are like, I may not be consuming what you have, but I want, I want you to succeed so much, you know? Yep. So (laughs) that's so funny. So, yeah, so once again, if you're those story. two ladies that met a family from Arizona that knew what you were talking about, reach out. <laughs> so funny. Future friends of the pod. Since that went in for a bit, I'm just going to do one more order of business. The other stuff can wait. It's okay. fine. So the second order of business is we have to readdress Jamesy Bug. <laughs> Recapping. Mm-hmm. So remember, right after Shiny Happy People, he did his vague posting about... Not losing family over pride, but you know mm-hmm. you can lose your pride over blah. I don't you blah blah yeah. blah. I don't even want to. But remember how I said my knee jerk reaction was like he's talking shit about Jill. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, no, I think he's talking shit about Jim Bob. Like mm-hmm. a bunch of like everybody was like, how do we take this? Like it right. was a topic of discussion. Knee jerk, he's talking shit about Jill. And then I was like, no, that's his buddy. She raised him. That's his fucking mother. <laughs> um, he was the only one in the family to go to. Derek's graduation so I was mm-hmm. like no maybe he's talking shit about Jim Bob and then remember everything got taken off mm-hmm. off of his YouTube you know Duggar gone wild Duggar gone wild uh, the sto- story uh, tides have turned again <laughs> oh no so he posted for Father's Day on Instagram and here's the caption happy Father's Day to the man who has always been my biggest supporter Pops Thank you for your endless sacrifice, your belief in me, you always pointing me to Christ, and the countless memories we've made together. I am grateful to call you dad. And I feel like if you had just stopped there, I'd be like, whatever. Despite whatever's happening, this is your dad. It's Father's Mm -hmm. Day. Here's where the wrench comes. Um, Regardless of what anyone may say, you're the best dad in the world. Today and every day, I celebrate you and the incredible father you are. Love you a ton. Regardless of what anyone may say. (laughs) You could have just left that out. You are the best dad in the world. Do you take that as a, as like a reaction to Jill coming out and. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so now I'm like, okay, I gave you way too much benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I really. Yep. I got fucking burned. Oh, man. Jamesy Bob. But we were all in this, like, mixed, like, bag of, like, what do we, how do we take this? That's what people that post vague comments on the internet want you to do. Yeah. How, how do they mean it? Like, well, yeah, are, his fucking yeah. vague posting worked. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, but now I feel like that's pretty fucking clear. <laughs> so much for the breaking away and eating the chickens. <laughs> He's never going to be at a Costco rotisserie again. Instead of like James and the giant peach, it's like James and the rotisserie chicken. <laughs> I need to like have a giant rotisserie chicken and him on top. Oh, um, man. Yeah, so so much for that. So that's my Damn. news. I just wanted okay. to inform the people of my retraction. All right. Thoroughly retracted. Yep. Fuck you, James. <laughs> I saw how you treated that pig. Remember that? <laughs> yes. I saw. I'll never forget. Oh, man. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Okay, so for the actual episode, it's called Duggars in D.C., mm-hmm. and it premiered August 25th of 2009. So the episode begins with Cannon saying, 
Well, this endless road trip, it seems like we're never going to come home. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts to sort of an aerial map, like cartoony, I don't know, like computer. Almost Indiana Jonesy, where they show like the plane flying across the map. There you go. It was like their bus driving across the country. Yeah, to like various um, destination signs, like green destination signs. Mm -hmm. And as they're showing this sort of thing, there's a voiceover from Jill that says that they've been from Pigeon Forge to the Bates, then to Ohio to see Michelle's family, and now they're arriving in Amish country. Mm-hmm. Then on the screen, it says, day 35 on the road, which, goddamn, <laughs> that is a long-ass time for that many people. That is a long time. Because it's all of them, plus Josh, mm-hmm. Anna, Susanna, Grandma. That's a lot of fucking people on a yeah. bus for that. Oh, jeez. Um. Oh, sorry, Mildred. I didn't know she was down here. I kicked her a little bit. Mildred, did she's gonna call. You? She's gonna call. Have you guys call CPS? That's a uh, cat protective services. She's like, you guys were there. You heard it. She kicked me. <laughs> My B. So, just a little side note: the last episode of the baseball game it was like clearly filmed before this 35 day road trip yeah uh, i forgot to mention that uh, it had like that it had canon's old crown of her glory old yeah her old crown yeah. of glory um in the baseball stuff and it also makes sense now why that was the very first time that they ever mentioned that Susanna was actually staying for the summer mm. because now like clearly that was back when she was sort of like initially getting there yeah so, um, yeah, before they took off on this epic road trip journey. So it kind of makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Definitely going back in time. All right. So do you call this a Duggar's Dine Out Square? 100%. Very short glimpse of them eating breakfast at a bed and breakfast. Yes. Not extended, but still they're doing it. Yep. Absolutely. Um, then we see the family boarding a tour bus. As Lego explains that they're heading out on a back road tour of the Amish country. Mm-hmm. Cell phone belt clip. Yep. I can never find. Okay, there we go. I feel the pressure in the moment to find the fucking square. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, everybody's watching me. Nobody's watching, but everybody's everybody's hearing. So they're loaded up in this tour bus, and it breaks down. So they end up having to take their own bus instead. Mm-hmm. The tour bus has a leak in the radiator system, and he's like, we're used to breakdowns, and mentions how they've only had two this trip. So it's a pos- It's a positive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the tour guide lady is literally sitting on their bus, talking into a little <laughs> microphone, probably smelling all those Duggar smells. <laughs> I mean, there's no way that there couldn't be a stench. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Think of... All the bodies, the unshowered bodies, the feet, the food smells. They were working like when they were at the at the baits. Like some of them were out working all day. And... Like the toilet has to. That many people going on that thing. Even if you're dumping regularly, mm-hmm. <laughs> both forms of dumping right. regularly. Um, I mean, it just emits a smell. Yeah, uh, it's got to be rough. <laughs> so the tour guide mentions how she has a five. Like a, a directory of the Amish families, and but it's five years old. Mm-hmm. And at the time of the directory, there's one family that had 17 kids. So she says that, you know, she doesn't know if they beat canon or not, but maybe <laughs> they have by now. 
Do you think Cannon took it personally? Do you think her ovaries started like pulsating in rage at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> like, like. So there's this funny moment where she's like, "Do you want to learn how to say how are you?" Like in like mm-hmm. the uh, Pennsylvania Dutch, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's crickets. <laughs> Nobody answers. <laughs> um, and I actually had to put on subtitles. I didn't have them on just to notice that Michelle very quietly in the background says, yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, let me just like double check. And I'm like, okay. So, and then I could, then I could hear it a little bit, but I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, but I was just like, nobody says anything. (laughs) And then she says the phrase once and then does that pause like you would before saying it again. Mm-hmm. where usually like the audience so to speak Repeats would it. join in with mm-hmm. you the second time around so that's what she's doing so she says v bish do pause v bish do and again like nothing total silence. nothing yeah <laughs> complete crickets and i mean it was it was no perpendicular moment. Like, <laughs> perpendicular, they all knew, you know? Right. Perpendicular, but, like, they were not having the V-Bish-Do. They were giving her nothing. <laughs> nothing. No. We V-bish don't. V-Bish-Don't. Don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were on the same page. <laughs> uh, V-Bish-Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the name of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> V-Bish-Don't, it might be. Yeah. I'm laughing way too much. Uh, You're going to have to fix this in post. I'm (laughs) laughing too much into the microphone. Um, We fix that in editing. I hope you fix that in editing, as uh, Brian Fellows would say. Um, It's even funnier, though, because through the silence, the looks on all their faces is hilarious. Oh, man. Particularly Joy, Johanna, Mm -hmm. and Grandma. Um, Oh, Jackson, too. Mm -hmm. But they're just staring, and Johanna has a little bit of a stink face. It's really I believe funny. it. Our girl. <laughs> like nobody joins in. This poor lady oh, is man. trying so hard. So um, they arrive, and they're parking their big old bus on the driveway of this family. <laughs> uh, it's the Yoder family. The Yoders. Mm. And we get an our girl Johanna moment. Yes. I. It's a good one. I love it. <laughs> because. She's getting off the bus, and as she's doing it, she yells, We bished you! (laughs) And it's so fucking cute. Like, she says it with such gusto. She's so excited. And I love it because the other lady said it was very, like, V. Mm -hmm. But, like, little kid, she's all, We bished you! (laughs) So cute. And then she walks up to the Amish man waiting for them, and she says it again. We Mm -hmm. bished you! And he's like, very good! Like, you know, it's so cute! Damn, Johanna. Um, And Jill says, quote, I didn't know what to expect at first because I was like, I had heard a lot about them, but I hadn't really been around Amish people that much. But I knew that sometimes we had been compared to Amish. They were really nice and friendly. But yeah, we're not quite the same. And she kind of like scrunches her nose a little. like She's (laughs) like, we're not the same. Which takes me back to New York when... Like one of the first episodes of the reality show started, and they went to New York, um, where they were catching cabs, cabs because remember they need multiple. Yep. And there was those one girls that are like, "Are they Amish?" And Jill said something along the lines of, "I I don't I didn't go back to like write down her exact verbiage, but I remember Jill just being like, 
do they know anything about Amish people was kind of like the gist. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I just remember her sort of clap back having a little bit of sass in it. Mm-hmm. This is just how I remember it. Um, when asked why people think they're Amish, Jill says it's probably because of their large family and wearing skirts. <laughs> then Michelle actually references that scene in the show. Mm-hmm. And I had already written it down in my notes because like I'm writing and pausing, right. you know, mm-hmm. before getting to this. So I was like, oh, now. So then they actually show that scene. So it's just kind of funny. Um, and then I just want to say that Jeremiah or artist Jed <laughs> or when you're them, uh, Jeer, he gets his first talking head that I can remember. I know. I literally said I for a second. I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> I've never seen. Because I feel like he looks so different than some of the other kids. He does look different. Like, I feel like there's very specific Duggar related like. Features, features yeah and i feel like he looks like the beeve yeah and he yeah he looks different he's got the curly hair mm-hmm. i will say i didn't mention it during the episode but there is one part and i showed tim when i was like doing visuals so i was going back through the episode to take screenshots and um there's when they're doing the wall raising at the mm-hmm. bates house there's like this one scene of him like and he's like smiling so big and he's so mm-hmm. fucking happy to be there and i was yeah. like he looks really cute in this moment like mm-hmm. i don't know he just looked like a Real happy little kid. Yeah. But yeah, this is definitely him talk. the first that I can remember of a talking head. <laughs> and um, I'm actually going to quote the entire thing because it's funny. <laughs> he says, they believe like electricity, electricity came and stuff like all that stuff. If you have like one thing, then you have to get like everything. But so that's why they just stay with the old stuff. Maybe. And then the producer says, can you explain that one more time? Because I don't get it. And deadpan, very promptly, he doesn't skip a beat. There's barely a pause from the person finishing saying that sentence. And then he says, I don't get it either. (laughs) And everyone laughs. But they're just like, can you? So this is how it goes. Can you explain that one more time? Because I don't get it. I don't get it either. Like, it was just so fast. Like, it was like... Uh, never heard that boy talk in my life <laughs> he was trying to explain something he doesn't understand <laughs> no he sounds like his father right explaining baseball to joy about baseball or dolly parton yeah. or yeah <laughs> anything really take your pick <laughs> um jill says that the yoder family is new order amish and that she thinks they can use battery operated stuff and then there's a pop-up on the screen that says that they're allowed to use electricity and telephones. Okay. Then we see them sitting down together to have a meal and um, that the Amish family has prepared for them. So if we didn't already have Duggars dine out, I feel like this would count, but we already have it anyway. Yep. And because I never pass up an opportunity to talk about food, I want to discuss the menu. Okay. Um. My love for talking about food goes way back. It's part of the reason I loved the boxcar children book so much. Did okay. you read those? No. You didn't read them? No. It's like a childhood staple. It's mystery no. in a boxcar. <laughs> Anyways, um, but those books, they talked a lot about food. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, sure, I loved a good mystery. Sure, I did, and I still mm. do. But those books, they went into far more detail about food than truly necessary 
in like Interesting. A, a children's and i fucking ate it up man it yeah i know look at you i know there you go you did it i know um but yeah it would be like they went on a picnic and they would they would describe everything they took on a picnic or this old man invited them over to their house where they find this creepy thing but here's what he had prepared for them but i loved it and i'm like oh what kind of sandwiches like i was very into it <laughs> and i very specifically remember that there was like a rest like a burger restaurant they talked about and they talked about the orange sauce because at that restaurant they mix together the mustard and the ketchup to make orange sauce whoa whoa we're breaking some culinary ground here i was very into all the talks of food so if anybody else read boxcar children remembers they're uh they're clearly foodies (laughs) (laughs) calm down escoffier (laughs) um any hoozle so we see salad bread and butter Fried chicken, mm-hmm. some sort of sauced noodle, but mm-hmm. like it's not cheesy. It just kind of looks like a yeah. velouté or something like that. Okay. Um, green beans and some sort of beef dish that I can't quite make out, but it just look like big chunks. Okay. With cherry pie for dessert. Yep. I so saw for that. my fellow boxcar children kids, I like to read all the details of food. There you go. <laughs> I was a young foodie. So Noah Yoder, the father, he gives a rundown of their typical day, waking up at 445 to milk cows for their dairy business. The women do the chores, Bible study at night, yada, yada. Yoder, Yoder. Yoder, Yoder. (laughs) I had the exact same thought. We are on the same wavelength today, honey. We are not perpendicular. We are parallel today. Yoder, Yoder. (laughs) As soon as you said it, I was like, ah! (laughs) Oh, honey. (laughs) So, (laughs) Cadence... Sorry. (laughs) I got her. I got her, folks. Um, Uh. Cannon says that it sounds a lot like their day, minus the 4.45 a.m. wake-up part and milking cows. She's the only cow getting milked around there. Whoa, there it is. So she shouldn't be unto familiar, you know. She the waking up now, but yeah. yeah. Oh, she's BC. used to milking. There's a part you'll see in the future. They call her the Dairy Queen. Ugh. Gross, oh. right? Isn't that gross? Doesn't it just ruin it? <laughs> so Lego pipes in and says, "Someone said one day, how do you have time to make all these TV shows?" And we said, "Well." We probably spend less time making TV than the average family does watching TV. Oh, he loves that line, too. You could tell uh, that he, like, he was, mm, he was eating it up. Yep. And I have a Doreen gaze. Mm-hmm. Because Agreed. she gazes at him while he speaks. Yep. And I don't know. This one, I feel like, is up for debate. We have yet to mark off the Duggar splaining uh there Square? hasn't been a lot of it. Because I feel like originally, to me, Duggar Splaining was kind of like when the kids sort of parrot the shit. Like, just like say, like the like the way they go, like, it would be like when Josiah is like, oh, there's nothing uh, about nothing rock, music. rock There's music. nothing to it or, you know. See, and for me, it was when they were at like the like the diamond field. And the circular reasoning. The circular reasoning and so, talking about how other people's way of thinking is flawed. Yes. So yeah. those were definitely... Would you call this Duggar explaining or no? I think so, only because they were obviously dealing with people that are outside of anything that makes the Duggars a thing. I feel like the reason I'm kind of leaning towards it is because it's a 
point where he's kind of putting himself on a pedestal. Agree. Like I could do, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna mark off Duggar splaining for the first time. Wow. Now the kids get to take rides in a horse and buggy, mm. and then they go to the Yoder home, which, even though the pop-up earlier said that the new order do allow electricity, the Yoders don't have it, and like Jill mentioned, they actually use battery-operated lights. Now, how do you feel about that? What do you mean? Because I feel like the fact that they are that they don't use electricity, but then they use batteries is weird. Because I don't, I don't know, and I don't, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I understand, but like the reasoning behind not using electricity is interesting. That like batteries are also kind of like a modern. But field. they are allowed to use electricity for so for some reason this family is deciding just to use batteries. Okay, so but like other, did you take that as like other people in their kind of like sect? Are allowed to use electricity. I like don't know 100%. if everybody around them is new. New, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I was just confused. Where I'm like, batteries are okay, but I feel like because I don't know a lot about it, I don't even yeah question it because I'm just like, I don't know. I have no mm. idea. <laughs> I have yeah. no fucking clue. Maybe, maybe someday we'll dive into that we'll or dive dig, into the uh, Amish. Dig. We'll dig into the Amish, but there you not go. today. Mm-hmm. So they get a tour of the house, and Grandma Duggar says it reminds her of a house that they had when Jim Bob was young that was built in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So as they're getting ready to leave, Johanna is sad, and she says, I want to stay. And she's mm-hmm. very sad about mm-hmm. it, like very sadly, and she really liked it. So yep. those were her people. I mean, she was pumped getting off that bus. She, You wouldn't have known in the bus that she was excited, <laughs> but... Getting off that bus, I was yeah. like, that girl has a pep in her step. She was all about it. She, she, you, you know, I feel like she felt a connection there. Of course. And of course, before they leave, they give them a copy of their book, The Duggars, 20 and Counting. <laughs> Ministry, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, of course. So now they're in Washington, D.C., and they're staying at the Washington Plaza Hotel, which is pro- clearly a plug for the hotel. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It was just the way they had Jill say it, where I'm just mm-hmm. like, that wasn't just like, and we stayed at the hotel, you know. <laughs> we see them exiting the hotel all spiffed up. Oh, yeah. Pest is dressed like he's going to meet Kirk Cameron. <laughs> he's in his Kirk Cameron best. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're filing into the bus, and oh, our poor girl, Johanna. <laughs> She fucking eats it on the steps. She's been having a rough time. <laughs> and one of the little boys behind her, I think it was Jackson, but I'm not positive. It was kind of fast. And you couldn't really see the face that well. But I think it was Jackson. Not only does he not help her, he doesn't even pause. No. He just like climbs over her and keeps going. And she's like crying. And she's like, ouch. And he's just like, climbing. Like nobody gives a sh- Nobody Nobody does anything. He has places to be, okay? <laughs> and then she finally gets up and she's all crying and she's like walking, but it's like, <laughs> this poor girl. And they're just like right over her. Two episodes in a row, she ate I shit. I know, she and- biffed <laughs> it on the fucking stool last week and then this week it's the steps. Oh, man, poor girl. girl. And then we get a John David speak square. Mm-hmm. It's been mostly John David these days. Joe's been a little quiet. <laughs> 
Um, and he says that they're headed over the capital, the capital, the capital, the capital to quote get some good camera shots. <laughs> he knows. He knows how the how the sausage is made. <laughs> so Jim Bob is talking to the camera guy. Um, he's like, "What's the address to the capital?" And then says, "Well, just look for the big dome, you know." He so knows nothing. Like this is so much like the I'm trying to seem like I, I. We're just figuring it out, but you can tell, like, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. I just feel like that's confusing information. That's a confusing thing to say, <laughs> because if they're looking for the big dome, Jim, Bob, and Jed are right there. <laughs> there it is. I need the Debbie Got Downer. Em. I need the Debbie <laughs> Then we get a Joy Sass Square. Mm, love it. You have that one? Yep. Where is it? Okay. Then we get a Joyce ass because John is the driver of this bus and Joy is talking mad shit. Oh, yeah. Basically, they tried putting the capital into the GPS system and all it brought up was capital maintenance. So Jim Bob's like, well, we figured that's got to be close by. So that's kind of what they're following, but not really. Oh, man. And Joy is in the front right next to JD as he's at the wheel. Mm -hmm. And she says, quote, we're somewhere. And then is like, John, we're supposed to turn right. And he says that, you know, he's not following the GPS. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back with some extra sassafras. (laughs) You ready? And says, well, it said turn right the last million hours. (laughs) That sure is a long time, Joy. (laughs) Hyperbole. (laughs) <laughs> it's that hyperbole. <laughs> that is probably how she'd say it. Um, kind of shitty that Jim Bob is just kind of sitting in the back. He's like chilling. He's sitting in the back with the kids, <laughs> and he's chilling, and he's enjoying the views, and he's pointing things out. He's like, "Look, look at this." Meanwhile, like his what? I think like 19 year old son maybe or something um, is having to manage the stress of navigating a fucking tour bus around DC. They did say he's a good driver though, which I, I appreciate the fact that he's had to learn the fact of how to drive a bus. Cause it's hard. It's not remotely. Yeah. And that's way bigger than anything. That's like the normal person has. And I do want to point out in the effort of explaining the hyperbole that, uh, (laughs) When the GPS said that it's been trying to get him to turn for the last million hours, that's 114 years. Oh, so so bit for of 114 a years, uh, their GPS has been telling John David Duggar to turn right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in regards to this driving around, Michelle said it was challenging. So in regular speak, that means stressful as fuck. <laughs> But it's also the fact that, like, obviously your son is driving, but, like, the two parents are literally just hanging out in the back. Well, it's like you're, he's in this situation where he's got this gigantic thing to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, people talking shit to him. A GPS that's not right. He's got fucking Jim Bob that's worthless. Who doesn't know where they're going. There, yeah. There's a bunch of one-ways. There's places that they can't, like, enter. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that... JD couldn't have volunteered because he he very well may have mm-hmm. like but to me I'm of the opinion that this is a time where Lego should have stepped in and been like nope I'm gonna do this like yeah because it's in a very I don't know that's just 
Well, they have their kids do everything else. I mean. Yeah. But I think Jim Bob just really irked me this entire time, which we'll get to. So I think that's why I'm extra just like, fuck you. Why aren't you driving, you asshat? <laughs> he but, had to be ready for the he had to be ready for the quips to, that are getting recorded for TV. Mm, you know. Mm-hmm. But Cannon is super impressed with Lego because she says, quote, dad was asking directions, which was amazing. <laughs> I was surprised. So Jill calls him out in her talking head too, saying, mm-hmm. quote, usually if we're going somewhere and we happen to make a wrong turn, he's like, hey, we get to see a part of the country we haven't seen yet. That's one of his good excuses. This was a point where there was a couple like talking heads where uh, the Jill dweebiness came out. There was a couple oh, see, I didn't, I didn't mark that. Mm-hmm. Did you think she was? I didn't think so, really. There was a couple of them, yeah. Oh. Like she makes fun of them when spoiler alert coming up pretty soon he doesn't uh remember all the kids names and her talking head is like him her kind of making fun of him but is it dweeb i don't feel like it's dweeby rewatch it all right this is what healthy this is what healthy um disagreements sound like the 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 duggar kids wouldn't know what this is like because i should just be adoringly gazing right now and going with whatever you say god a man can dream kenny but I will say that the Jill Dweeb Square is not going to lead to me getting a bingo. So I do not have an ulterior motive. <laughs> okay. I'm leaving it off. I didn't feel like she was overly dweeby. Okay. So um, thanks to John David, they do finally arrive at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Lego can't miss a beat. So he informs Josh and John David that, you know, it's their job now to go park the bus. Find a place, yeah. So this whole fiasco is far from over for John David, but Jim Bob gets to, you know, like wipe his hands of it. (laughs) He's where he wants to be, so he's fine. No worries. No worries for him, you know. (laughs) And he thinks he's being so funny by saying to them, don't be afraid to ask for directions. And even Pest seems over Lego's bullshit, (laughs) which is saying a lot. (laughs) But it's because they're dropping the family off like literally right in front of the Capitol. And Lego says, this looks like a pretty good place to park here, but I think they'd tow us off. And camera goes to Pest. He kind of like shrugs and like rolls his he, eyes. He rolls his eyes and like shakes mm-hmm. his head. And I was like, oh. Even but then from- they give they give Lego hair another take. Doesn't he say another like dumb joke too? And then they do it again. Oh, do they? I don't. It was like that's a, all I wrote down. So yeah, it was like after that one, there was like another thing that he made one more joke, and then they like panned over. So they literally gave him like two takes to say something funny. <laughs> Ugh, it's too much. So it's actually it's Pess and mostly John David's problem now to try to find a place to park this fucking beast. Mm-hmm. So um, now it goes to the family. And their first stop at the Capitol is to Senator Bozeman's office. And, but I, I like, uh, I like to, kind of like how I say Bobbier for Bobby. Bobby. I like to, I, I like to say Boozman. Because <laughs> if his name sounds familiar, does it sound familiar to you? Uh, vaguely. It was because we mentioned him very briefly back in episode 29 when we dug into Lego's political career. Oh, okay. If you remember, he was the one who was having a rally in Little Rock when they just happened to be there for an appointment for Josiah. 
Mm. And it was at that rally that Lego first began thinking about running for legislature. Interesting. But, you know, that was pre-coin flip, though. Oh, yeah. Because remember, God isn't really clearly giving you direction until you flip a coin. Right. Mm -hmm. That was big in that story, remember? Multiple (laughs) coin flips. So, yeah. So that's the same person. Okay. But I like to say booze, man. That's how it's spelled. Dr. Booze. Or, yeah, he was Dr. But he's Senator Booze Man now. Mm -hmm. So the Booze Man walks in and... um, Lego is introducing all the kids, and he calls our girl Johanna Jennifer. Mm-hmm. The fucking audacity of that man. Yep. As if he couldn't, you know, suck more, you know, am I right? Like, and then he, he of all people, Johanna. <laughs> our girl, Johanna. Yeah, our girl. And then Booze Man says, you can't remember yourself. To which Lego replies, well, the other day she looked just like the other one. Smooth save, buddy. <laughs> Smooth. I do like the fact that Booze Man was throwing a little shade, too. Yeah, he was like, roast. you can't remember? Yeah. Were you going to say something about Jill? Is this when you said this she's is mean? This is, and we'll, I'll have to go back and watch it, but like, if I literally wrote down Jill's dweebiness is showing, because I feel like there was a point where she was kind of laughing at the fact that he couldn't remember, and I thought it was very endearing, so. But does it dweeby? I feel like I feel like I wouldn't have put that it was dweeby if it wasn't. So okay, I will I will uh, reassess when I go back for visuals. Okay. So it cuts to Pest and JD still trying to find a spot, Mm -hmm. and they do end up finding one in a garage, and they cut it really close with the height (laughs) clearance, like they're making the thing swing, you know, like the the Mm -hmm. bar thing that hangs. Yeah. But they do get it parked, and it cuts back to them in Booze Man's office. And, you know, it's like they're all showing back up now. Um, and our girl, Johanna, has fallen asleep. Passed the hell out. Homegirl is exhausted by the fucking incompetence <laughs> that she's witnessing. She's like. And she got injured. So, I mean, you know, when you're like, you're like injured and you're like not feeling well. like And the incompetence of your father. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go to bed, too. You know, It's like, you know, like when you just like try to sleep through the day because it's not a great <laughs> not day. A she's day. like, let's just go to bed. Can I do that at work? <laughs> um, then we see them. Um, so because, like I said, like Pest has joined them and whatever. And they all end up going to sit in the, like, Dr. Booze. Or I keep saying doctor. Senator Booze Man takes them into a committee room. Mm-hmm. Which is probably one of the few rooms besides, like, a event space ballroom that accommodates their family quite nicely without any kind of extra accommodation you know what i mean right yeah um extra steps and then the episode kind of ends with their tour guide of the capital um what's his name again david barton so that is their that's who is giving the duggars their tour Mm -hmm. and um canon is saying that they like his tour because it comes with a religious perspective Yep. And it takes into account the founding fathers and their views on religion. Mm-hmm. So she says for them, that's very important. Of course. Um, and I want to consider marking off Pest on Pest. Score. Okay. Do you have that one? I didn't, but I think I know what you're going to reference. Um, because Josh ends up, he, he just kind of ends the episode speaking into the microphone at his seat in the committee room saying... 
Now we'll inform the committee to convene at the Capitol building. All those in favor say aye. And I don't know. To me, it just kind of feels pesty. Like he thinks he's like just in the sense that he thinks he's so charming and funny. Right. Thing. Mm -hmm. Like he's really doing something there. Like you can tell that he thinks he's like, ooh, like he's doing something. And he, I feel like when you're someone like him, you can't just be funny or, I mean, to be clear, you can't even try to be funny (laughs) because he's just such a fucking smarmy person. That's a good word for it. Yeah. And when you're like that, you can't even come across as dorky. Like it's impossible. Like you don't get to just be, ooh, that's not funny. And ooh, you're a dork. It's fucking pesty, you know? So I I don't know how else to explain it, but it's just... It's when you're like, oh, you think. It's just an inflated self of ego, or like, yeah, it's like not feeling even of ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> smarmy is a good word. I have no bingos, but I have eight marked off. Okay. And you, what you have? Was nine? there any point that they wore matching clothing? Um. Well, so some of the boys were wearing all black suits, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, if you were going to the Capitol, like, is that considered matching clothing? Because they were dressing up. That's what I'm saying. It's like, the girls weren't dressed. I feel like the boys just all happen to have black suits. Right. So, do you feel like that's not a square? I'm not. I could go either way. Why? Because that would give you a bingo. I don't. It's not a square. It would give me a bingo. Oh, my God. But I will say... In the in the effort to make sure that I'm looking at things through objectively? A, a fair lens and objectively, I do not consider them all wearing suits being matching clothing. I don't because it is because it's nice attire for going to meet a state senator. So I do not believe that that is matching, even if it would give me bingo for the second week in a row. You're, what a guy! That was your Mother's Day present. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> Uh, okay so no bingos this week uh sadly i chose the wrong board because we made two boards (laughs) i chose the wrong fucking board and they are both random by the way yeah like we both i i pulled up the squares and i said what you know here's our list and i'm like what would you like so i filled it out per an order that you put in there i've definitely i've gotten it twice and i was within one square to this month as or this week as well so I'm I'm never like ever better than three, ever. I've been four a couple times. Oh wait, I'll, if across with the free, I'm four this week. Oh, and you know close. what? Again, just the same way you, I could have a bingo if I counted this. I could have a bingo if I marked off Bates. Technically, the Bates name got said this episode, but, but they I, weren't in the but, episode. And but sometimes i don't even feel like it's so much has to be that they have to be in it but i feel like it has to be substantial in some way it wasn't substantial enough it so was not. look at us both being objective oh, here look at that not just trying to win <laughs> if you get into marriage to win it's it's not nobody's good. keeping track here even though i have Ex- two bingos <laughs> 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 nobody's keeping score but i have two bingos but i won twice <laughs> <laughs> you have uh you're a loser but nobody's keeping score oh man see this is a healthy marriage yep the all epitome right. of health yeah all right that the was, poster I feel like... child of health 
I feel like this was a good episode. It I was, feel like it was, it was entertaining. Yeah, I liked um, it. Every time they said Yoder, I imagined like a man from Jersey saying the word Yoda, you know, from Star Wars. They're like, you know, that uh, that little green guy, Yoder. I still you think know. it's funny that this, that we were both <laughs> saying <laughs> Yoder, Yoder. <laughs> I still think that's funny. I'll think about uh, that for a while. It's pretty good. All okay. Right. That's it for the episode. Yeah. It was a good episode. I liked it. And we'll be right back with the dig. So I totally expected to dig into a Duggar specific topic today. But then I ended up being inspired by the very end of this episode where they mention how their tour of the Capitol, um, about how it's coming from a religious perspective and focused on the religious views of the founding fathers. And Michelle saying how that was important to them. And I knew I couldn't pass up this topic. So okay. there was a there was a game change here. Mm-hmm. So on that note, today we'll be digging into the founding fathers of the United States and their religious views, with emphasis on some of the views and ideology present during their time that we don't hear about so much today. Okay. I think this is a really interesting topic and discussion, and also a controversial one. Go figure, a topic that centers entirely around religion and politics <laughs> gets heated. Surprise, surprise. But the reason people get feisty is because you have the conservative right saying that the liberal left is painting the founding fathers as completely secular. Mm-hmm. And then the left saying that the right is painting the founding fathers as devout, as all being devout Christians. Mm-hmm. So we have both sides that are accusing the other side of painting them in the light that they want them to be, you know? Of course. So um, what it boil- that's just what it boils down to. When in reality... Like most things in life, the truth seems to be kind of in the middle mm-hmm. or a mixed bag at the very least because not all of them had the exact same beliefs and you can't broadly state one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So to start us off, we're going to dig into David Barton, <laughs> the man who served as the guide for the Duggars in this episode. So just to give you an idea of what we're working with here, I'm first going to read you the very first page ra- paragraph on his Wikipedia page, <laughs> just so you can get the vibe for how he summed up in the most surface of research, like without doing anything. It's a doozy. It says, quote, David Barton is an evangelical author and political activist for Christian nationalist causes. He is the founder of Wall Builders LLC, a Texas-based organization that promotes pseudo-history about the religious basis of the United States. Pseudo history. Mm, that's, that's a that's some shade right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeesh. Taking it back, there's not much on David's early life, so we're just going to start at his college years. He earned his bachelor's degree in religious education from Oral Roberts University back in 1976. Okay. Remember when we talked about Oral Roberts? <laughs> Do you? Do you? No. You don't? What are we talking about, Royal Orbits? You're laughing like you knew. No. I was uh, laughing. Be- Never mind. Go ahead. In the, the Green Family Hobby Lobby episode, oh, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. when we talked about their, what, do you, what do you do after Dick and Oral? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because his son, mm-hmm. they, they bailed them out with a bunch of money, and then his son yeah. was on the board. Yeah. And then the wife that was doing all that shit with the, <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about, see how they all come back. They all circle back through. It's all a sinister soup. 
Yep. So that's with the uh, Oral Roberts. Um, so then after he graduated from there, he then worked as a youth pastor in Oklahoma before he began teaching math and science. I'm sure that was a kick in science class <laughs> at um, Aledo Christian School, where he eventually became the principal. Okay. Small catch there is that it's a private Christian school that is an offshoot of Aledo Cornerstone Church, a church founded by his parents. Oh. Um, the website says today that it's a non-denominational church. Of course. And it's very it looks very small, like the school mm-hmm. is very small or whatever. But it's like he didn't just become a principal. Like he just, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Small thing. It's his parents. Just a tiny <laughs> you know? detail. Yeah. Yeah. Then in 1987, he formed the Specialty Research Associates, which their stated purpose was to, quote, conduct historical research relating to America's constitutional, moral, and religious heritage. Okay. By 1988, it had quickly evolved into a nonprofit called Wall Builders. Just doing the research wasn't enough, so Wall Builders sells books, videos, trainings, and curriculum that came from this research. Heavy quotation yeah. marks, yeah. <laughs> Which actually means just promoting David's own views. Of course, <laughs> That's yeah. That's you know, the reality. But they researched his views. Exactly. You yeah. know, so it's not entirely untrue. Yeah. If you had to put David's views in a nutshell, which in turn means putting wall builders' views in a nutshell... It's that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation, and because of that, in turn, all legislation and policies need to be biblically based. Okay. Digging into that more specifically, his 1989 book, The Myth of Separation, What is the Correct Relationship Between Church and the State, is a pretty good place to start. I think I know what his opinion is. (laughs) I know. Um... The jacket of the book gets right to it, stating, quote, This book proves that the separation of church and state is a myth. Oh, my goodness. If the title wasn't enough. Okay. So, you know. You get an idea of how that entire book goes. <laughs> David says things like how the First Amendment, you know, what the f- the framers were only trying to prohibit a national church. Oh. That's it. But they still meant that the nation is to be centered entirely around Christianity, just not that there wouldn't be like the Church of, you know, like the Church of England type thing, that type of mm-hmm. thing. That's all it meant. Oh. They didn't okay. mean like complete I mean, religious free. <laughs> I mean, that was never stated or none of them said that in other papers or, you know, nowhere, anywhere was that pointed out. But yeah, that's totally what they but meant. But I think it's funny that everybody else says it, but, but he knows. He knows what they really <laughs> meant. In general, though, all his books, videos, and curriculum are riddled with problems. <laughs> Color us surprised. And it's not just more liberal people that have taken issue with them. In fact, um, so Jay Richards, this is a man who has attended seminary and has PhDs in both philosophy and theology, mm-hmm. has said that his books and videos contain, quote, embarrassing factual errors, suspicio- <laughs> suspiciously selective quotes, and highly misleading claims. Okay. The Baptist Joint Committee on Public Affairs said of Barton, quote, his presentation has just enough ring of truth to make him credible to many people. It is, however, laced with exaggerations, half-truths, and misstatements of fact. <laughs> oh, damn. 
I point these out specifically because a person like him can, you know, more easily brush off criticism from more liberal people or atheists or people mm-hmm. of other religions because then he can just chalk it up to their lack of faith or having the wrong beliefs, you of know. Course. It's yeah. um he he's the type to see them as being the problem. So, of, you know, of course they're going to criticize the truth yeah. <laughs> in his head, you know. It's so to see him being called out by people on like his team, and I say this with air quotes, mm-hmm. but like on his team, so to speak, I feel like really speaks volumes. Right. So that's just two examples, but there's a whole army of people who are devoutly Christian themselves that think he's full of shit. <laughs> I'm sure David would really like for it to be like an us versus them more, you know, like oh, the yeah. believers versus the non-believers. Mm-hmm. But it's really just him, like, spewing straight-up fucking lies. Of course. So. (laughs) So, touching on what the Baptist Joint Committee kind of said about his presentation having just enough ring of truth for people to think that he's credible, I want to now run with that for a little bit and talk about some of his tactics. Okay. So, none of his tactics are all that surprising. Um, It's things that we've seen time and time again. He loves to cherry pick quotes while not addressing the preceding lines that change its meaning entirely (laughs) or ignoring the overall context of the speech document, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. which has an entirely different meaning than that single line that he touts. Lots of twisting of things and like redefining of words of like words and phrases. Yoder, yoder. Yoder, yoder. Yeah, pretty good. Um, but he, he also seems to purposely use words interchangeably. An example being that he will, he'll be talking about the Supreme Court and then later just say the court. Kind of flick, flipping back and forth between the two. But it seems to be done in a deceitful way so that people think that he's referring to the Supreme Court rulings and cases the entire time. Mm-hmm. When he's actually talking about lower court decisions and smaller cases. But people who don't know, they take his word for it. And they mm-hmm. think he's referencing all these big Supreme Court rulings the entire time. So they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And it's like, th- that's, it's like that, that was happens. like a case in Idaho about, like, you know, like. So it's like, it seems very calculated that like, right. I'll just I'll just say the court and then the Supreme Court and the court. And- oh, my goodness. His final tactic that I'll address is just outright lying like a fucking liar face. (laughs) And here's a good example. He loves to espouse this quote from James Madison saying, quote, we have staked the whole future of American civilization, not upon the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Okay. Problem is, historians and researchers can't find that quote anywhere. No. <laughs> Along with various other co- quotes that he claims come from other founding fathers, mm-hmm. and even some Supreme Court rulings that he has flat out made up. No, oh my God. <laughs> After being called out on all these false quotations repeatedly, he added a section to his wall builder's website titled Unconfirmed Quotations. Oh my god. 
as sort of a lame attempt to try to appease people just a little bit, but also sort of explain it away, uh. making claims of secondary sources and things of that nature. So, and, you know, there's always a reason. So there's bad. a yeah. <laughs> God. Oh. <laughs> uh. Considering his entire platform centers around the government, it's not surprising that he's involved in politics. But he has never actually held political office in an elected official role, but mm -hmm. he's been involved in other ways. From 1997 to 2006, he served as the vice chairman to the Texas Republican Party. In 2004, he was hired by the Republican National Committee as a consultant during George W. Bush's re-election campaign. His job was to travel and speak to clergy members, encouraging them to encourage their congregations to vote for Bush. To vote for George Bush. The whole thing about this whole mess, it's a fucking mess though. Because when you're a church, you have tax-exempt status. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to be partisan in your messaging. Of course. Remember what we talked about last week with the whole Christian coalition thing? Mm -hmm. So I like that these things are like building off of each other. Yeah. Um, but David said, quote, I show them the historical role of pastors being involved in civil government. I show them the biblical basics for pastors being involved in civil government. And then I show them the issues that are at stake from a biblical point of view and the voting records that pertain to those. And then he also kind of tells them, like, you'll be fine as long as you say it's your own personal views and not the church's, like, official endorsement. Oh, my God. So he and the RNC were criticized because people felt like they were setting up churches to get in trouble with the IRS. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a <laughs> they're like, you're, like, not, you know, you're, you don't really care that what you're doing could possibly make them get in trouble. That's not important. Yep. They just need those sweet, sweet votes. Yep. And as a result of this whole tour, uh, there was actually a letter sent out by the IRS to these various churches detailing the rules of it all so that the churches understood and just didn't just, you know, take this jackass's word for it. So, Oh, my gosh. It's just, it's just the whole thing. <laughs> uh, quickly running down a few more political things. In 2016, he ran a PAC that supported Senator Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. And then in 2020, he joined the American Restoration Tour, whose main message is that, quote, and this is from their site, um, America's founding principles born from biblical truth are under attack like never before in this in history. Okay. So he is involved in politics to an extent. And dramatic. <laughs> Very dramatic. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so now let's talk about some of his more recognizable supporters. He and Glenn Beck seem to be buddies. <laughs> Uh, for people who don't know, he's got, like, radio show and things mm -hmm. like that. Like, he's come up. And th they do quite a bit together. Like, they'll speak at the some same places. They're on each other's shows all the time. Like, they mm -hmm. seem, like, relatively tight in that community. Chummy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Glenn Beck has called him, quote, the Library of Congress in shoes. I mean, except all the books are fake and, you know, made up so they can say what you think. But, yep, totally. Yes. Yeah. And actually, just while we're on that, I didn't write all this down, but I just remember it from, like, reading it. So, Glenn Beck is Mormon. Mm -hmm. And there's funny things where... So, the thing about David Barton is he, he's kind of 
said this stuff in the past that talk about how basically he thinks that any religion, only religions count up to when the Constitution was written. And that anything after that was not, like, is not included. Like, that's not part of this. That's not mm-hmm. part of one of the one. Because what it boils down to, he doesn't, it's not even just that he wants a Christian nation. He mm-hmm. wants his flavor of Christianity. Of course. So, it's it, it goes even beyond just the fact that he's trying, like, we're a Christian nation. No, 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 it's his. Yeah. So, on a technicality, Mormonism came after, the, after that. Mm-hmm. So you would think his little like buddy wouldn't be, but 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 Glenn Beck is his buddy. So it's like, well, that's not, that's fine. Well, yeah, well, this this one is fine because he's my friend, you yeah. know. But really, he wants it. He wants to weed out as many other forms of Christianity as he can, so then mm-hmm. he can draw this line and be like, well, if you didn't exist before the Constitution, you don't count. It's like really hardcore extreme pieism. Yeah, like we are, we are the better version of this christian sect than you are because we came before 17 blah 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 you know i'm I'm more than you yeah (laughs) Yeah. so another supporter is the one and only mike huckabee yeah former governor of arkansas and presidential candidate who we talked about in the dig about lego's political career Mm -hmm. because lego was up his ass (laughs) if you remember back to some of lego's endorsements they said things like he quote fought alongside Governor Mike Huckabee to break the grip of the old Democratic machine in Little Rock. Once again, dramatic. Well, those two raged against the machines together. <laughs> we also caught a glimpse, if you remember, of Mike Huckabee in Shiny Happy People fucking yelling at people. Do you remember mm-hmm. that scene? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yep. yep. And once again, that's such a weird, like, hill to die on because if i remember correctly the woman that was yelling at him was was about supporting like the people that harbored josh right i can't remember the scene to be honest i could have swore it was a lady that was kind of like hey what do you think about this why is why are these people that you support and he got mad at it he it's, went he went off <laughs> yeah it's a it's a deep take to uh you know to stand up for a pedophile yeah you know that's a that's a <laughs> It's a big mountain to die on. And, and I like bringing it up because, again, we see all the same recurring cast mm-hmm. of characters. That's why yep. I'm like, oh, let me bring this up. Because mm-hmm. when you keep seeing you, it makes you realize, like, it's small. It's big, but it's small all mm-hmm. at the same time. It's big because they have this big effect, but it's this small yeah. circle, you know. They have a lot of influence, but they're not many. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. But regarding his support of David Barton, Huckabee said, quote, I don't know anyone in America who is a more effective communicator. I just wish that every single young person in America would be would be able to be under his tutelage. And uh, did I say that right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I you know, you know what? You want to second guess everything you ever fucking say. Get a podcast. <laughs> like, even if I'm pretty confident in the moment, I'm just like, you know, you want to just doubt everything that comes out of your mouth get a podcast (laughs) okay um to be under his tutelage and understand something about who we really are as a nation i almost wish that there would be something like a simultaneous telecast and all americans would be forced forced at gunpoint no less to listen to every david barton message wow Wow. Now, I will say that oh, people who man. like who wrote that quote were like he said it with some sarcasm, but still that's 
I, I don't know how Sark, I think he would like that, you know, I, like oh, yeah. underneath it all. I don't mm-hmm. know how sarcastic it, he might be, <laughs> but I yeah. mean. It's played tongue in cheek, but at the end of it, that's really the way he feels. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's played tongue in cheek for one of my least favorite things that human beings do, which is plausible deniability exactly because then if somebody says do you really want people to be held at gunpoint and he'd be like I'm no i was kidding. kidding yeah but really he really wants everybody oh, to have to subscribe God. to this you know grinds my gears yep lastly of course pat robertson was a big supporter <laughs> his quotes are his quotes they're not all that interesting um his support more so came from having him on his show and mm-hmm. agreeing with everything he said and, you know, you're doing important work, like that yeah, type of, of stuff. But this gives me the opportunity to close out this section with a little collection of some of the things David Barton has said that sound very Pat Robertson-like. Oh, God. Things that are Pat shit insane, if you there will. There you go. There it is. <laughs> Got him. So he says that abortion is the cause of climate change. But you do acknowledge climate change. <laughs> Isn't that kind of interesting? Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I included Only that. when it's related to abortion. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. Rela- yeah. yeah. Um, he says that declining SAT scores are a direct result of the 1960s Supreme Court ruling that banned school-sponsored prayer, which we talked about last episode as well. But, you know, he says that it's just funny the way he describes it. He was like, you know, I I asked to see when that was and I asked to pull the records of SAT scores and I looked at them and they went down right after that. Like, I mean, like that is. Wow. Just. (laughs) It's just I can't even put into words. Jeez. Um, he says that HIV and AIDS are a direct consequence of being homosexual and that's why there's not a cure because (sighs) God wants you to have it. Of course. He calls being LGBTQ unhealthy. And he says that he finds... I can't even... I don't... I can't even... <laughs> she, can't even she can't even keep a straight face. He says that he finds it oxymoronic that salt and trans fats are regulated, but not homosexuality. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hmm. I mean, that is like, what the fuck? Oh my god. That's a that's quite a take there. That's something. Um and then last one I just thought I'd I, I like to always end with something a little less heavy. <laughs> so I remember I talked about with Pat Robertson, I ended on you know, if you're not Christian, you're a termite. Yeah. On this one it's that he <laughs> it's funny too. He doesn't believe in retirement because it's not in the Bible. Oh my god. <laughs> which is funny because there's a lot of things not in the bible so do you not believe in all of those things like well i mean he only believes in christian sex up to when the declaration of independence w- or was drafted you know so you know he doesn't <laughs> i just like you're wearing a cowboy hat they don't mention cowboy hats in the bible do you believe in your hat it doesn't like... exist <laughs> yep but he says that retirement is a pagan concept. Wow. <laughs> it's just so funny. I don't know why. It's like this is... I feel like with some of the Pat Robertson stuff, I was kind of used to hearing it. Mm-hmm. But like this, I was like, these are funny. <laughs> this is like wild. I like, know. And 
there's two things with the thing about how like when um you know school sponsored prayer was taken out of schools and then you whatever fucked up pie chart that he looked at said that that was the year that like sat scores went down and crime went up i left that out but he said sat scores down crime goes up oh my god (laughs) which everything about him should be stamped with correlation is not causation right and like that's what i think through kind of most of this but god there's just so much like this is on any side of any issue that's confirmation bias is why misinformation spreads yes because if i think that this person aligns with me i'm instantly going Mm -hmm, to believe what mm -hmm, they say mm -hmm. more yep Mm -hmm. especially if it's a fucking word salad of bullshit like this but then there's little nuggets of things that you believe in you're gonna go oh no it's all true yeah all all of it is true because these two little nuggets of things are the truth so it's absolutely unfortunate (laughs) Bad day for retirement, folks. They're like, damn it. Don't get me wrong. Working in food service, I'm already going to like have to work the morning of my funeral. But uh, apparently it's not even biblical. I mean, know? what's wrong with being... I, I never thought there was anything wrong with being pagan, and now I'm all for it. If that's like, <laughs> if that's what it takes to retire to be pagan, fuck yes. <laughs> you, get, <laughs> you can retire. You can have a Cabbage Patch doll if you want. Right? Yeah. All sorts of things. <laughs> So we've discussed how David has an affinity for literally rewriting history. Bullshitting. Okay. Uh, this rewriting includes the religious views of some some of the founding fathers, <laughs> specifically the ones whose beliefs don't align with him and his pushing of the whole Christian nation thing. Of course. He's touted that fifty-two of the fifty-five founding founding fathers were Orthodox Evangelical Christians, which is funny though because people started calling him out saying. That evangelical didn't even exist as a term back in colonial times. Damn. So people were like, don't be using a term to describe people during a time that they would not have been able to identify themselves as. (laughs) Like, you know, but that's why when you talk about history, you hear Puritan, you hear both. You hear Mm -hmm. these different things because that was what you can't just assign them of something from today. You might be able to say there are some similarities, but Mm -hmm. you can't like for accuracy, don't call them something that did not exist like did you know that 40 out of the 55 are actually swifties <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, exactly yeah. yeah like 45 of them loved her entire catalog mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yep so after people started calling him out he suddenly ends up you know dropping the whole evangelical word and then he just says well 52 of uh, 55 were orthodox christians <laughs> Um, and surprise, surprise, the statement is also is still not true. I'm dying of not surprise. <laughs> David is trying to rewrite the fact that a fair amount of the founding fathers had deistic beliefs. So deism, simply put, is the belief in a creator of the earth and of life, but that this creator does not intervene past that point. Okay. While deistic ideas can be traced back to ancient times, it emerged as a more popular philosophy during the 17th century from the Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Deism places emphasis on human inquiry and challenging traditional political, religious, and social ideas. Not things that they are for. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's a guided it's guided by reason so many deists don't believe in the trinity the virgin birth or the resurrection so they don't believe in any of like the supernatural mm-hmm. type things and many emphasize the concept of natural theology meaning that god's existence is revealed through nature okay as well as emphasizing ethics over ritual and superstition wasn't there a version of the bible that was written like without any of the of like the like those things I'm getting i think i think oh. i know what you're talking about and we'll get oh, there okay so because deism is rooted rooted in individual reason it, it's, it wasn't organized in any kind of way. It's not mm-hmm. f- it's not formal. It's not organized. So there weren't people meeting up with other deists the way people do going to church. Okay. There was no, like, monthly newsletter. <laughs> yeah. um, many, but not all, deists don't feel the need to take communion, be baptized, or pray. And the reason I said many, but not all, is because, like most things in life, there's a spectrum. It's not one size fits all. Some renounced Christianity more than others. So some ha- really had little to nothing to do with Christian practices and beliefs, while others did still attend church and maybe prayed or, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not everyone is the same. Wild concept, right? <laughs> not allowed in there, you know, but like right. wild concept. But no matter where you fell on the spectrum, a large majority of deists highly respected the teachings of Jesus as a man um, without believing him to be divine. Mm -hmm. So it's about 1725 through the early 19th century that deism was at its peak of popularity. It kind of became like the thing on college campuses in the 18th century in america which is funny because like i'm like what's a college campus like and you know what i mean like what was like they're like oh this was like the wild crazy new thing and this was the worldly ideas yeah, of today yeah. yeah just i'm like what's, what's college back then and they're like fucking little ponytails and you know oh. and so they're wearing like tie-dye and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're sitting under a tree smoking their flower you know <laughs> Um, And it's worth noting that four out of five of the first U.S. presidents were in college during the height of deism. Okay. So it's not a stretch to say that they could have picked up on some of the beliefs because just straight up timeline wise, it's not a crazy idea that they were exposed to or influenced by it. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason that deism declined was because of it being so individual. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there isn't a formal spiritual guidance, no worship, or an active community, people drifted away as they sought out those things. Mm-hmm. Which, Timmy, you know, we always talk about how one of the big things about religion is that sense of community. Community. And that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people want. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes that's the thing that keeps people going mm-hmm. more. Whether they think about it or not, I do think that that's a huge driving factor for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I knew that I wanted to cover the beliefs of some of the founding fathers, but I was trying to decide how I was going to frame it all. Because like I mentioned earlier, essentially you could cherry pick quotes from each of them to mm-hmm. argue either side if you want to. Yeah. Because they can say things that read very Christian and some things that don't. Or you can skip every other word and make it sound like a point that supports you. Exactly. You know, like, like David Barton did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
Um, that's that's for most of them though. Some are pretty blatantly clear though, and it would be harder to try to spin them the other direction. <laughs> so in figuring out what I was gonna do, I was thinking that I was just gonna pull a bunch of stuff on all of them, present it all, and kind of let everyone make their own decision. But then I actually decided to enlist an aid in presenting all of this. Okay. So I'm going to be referencing some analyses made by David L. Holmes, author of the book, The Faiths of the Founding Fathers. So we got a battle of the Davids here. Damn. The reason I chose this particular book to use as a resource is because it really breaks down things and gives further context in regards to the time period in which they lived, their backgrounds, mm-hmm. wives and children, their participation in church ordinances, their use of religious language, things like that. Whether so, they believed in retirement. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, across the board, the reviews were that it didn't seem biased or trying to make them come across any particular way, but rather objective. Because David created a system to analyze each of them, and he follows that same system for everyone, so it presents pretty fairly because of that system. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that his book is gospel. Merp. Um, but his analysis is definitely thoughtful and careful. Okay. So, I mean, until you have that person coming and saying, yep, yep, all these years later, I'm saying that this is what I was. <laughs> Everything at some point, you mm. have to take, you, you just have to look at the analysis of it and decide, like, Correct. how thorough is it? How yeah. unbiased is it? You know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, well, I was interested by some of the stuff he, because some of the stuff he pointed out, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So, like, in deism versus, like, Christianity, there's kind of a difference in language and how you would refer to, like, the creator. Like, a deist won't say savior because they don't believe in the whole savior aspect of it. So, they're, like, he's, like, and it's only one factor. This isn't his one judgment Mm -hmm. in deciding that someone is a deist versus this. Mm -hmm. But that's one of them where he was like, when you read over a bunch of their speeches, a bunch of their bunch of their things, when they tried to keep it very neutral or very just creator versus getting into very like savior type language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's like interesting to think about. Like mm-hmm. that is like a form of analysis. Right. So a little bit about the author. So we kind of understand what his background is and how he warrants any authority on the subject. David Holmes is an American church historian who holds English degrees from both Michigan State and Columbia Universities before he went on to get a master's and a Ph.D. from Princeton in religious studies. Okay. He also worked as a professor in both English and religious studies. So So because I talked about deism being a spectrum going to cover three different founding fathers that fall on various places of this spectrum these are three that were all swifties right yes yes yes, okay good we're going to start with thomas Paine, who was on the far left so we're going to start with the the more extreme Mm -hmm. he's one of the ones that i said there's just there's no guessing (laughs) about (laughs) it it's pretty clear when describing deism he said quote it is free from all those invented and torturing articles that shock our reason with which the Christian religion abounds. Its creed is pure and sub- sublimely simple. Oh, I'm sorry. Sublimely. I read that wrong. Um, sublimely simple. It believes in God and there it rests. 
It honors Mm -hmm. reason as the choicest gift of God to man and the faculty by which he is enabled to to contemplate the power, wisdom, and goodness of the creator displayed in the creation and reposing itself on its protection, both here and hereafter. It avoids all presumptuous beliefs and rejects as the fabulous inventions of men, all books pretending to to revelation. That's, is that the end of the quote? Yes. Um, That's what I've been thinking this whole time is it's that idea that like, yes, we believe that there's something bigger that created us, but then kind of went, okay, let's see what you want to do with this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so the thing that was going through my head, and I'm really glad it was actually in the quote, was they were tired of the kind of potentially abusive people-driven things Mm -hmm. that had to do with religion at that time. So it kind of seems like a way for him to like rail against like the potential abuse of power. Mm-hmm. That's because that's what it is. The power mm-hmm. aspect. And we'll kind of mm-hmm. hear more about that. And it's like fear mongering and like all these things that kind of keep you in a certain level of control that it just sounds like they're kind of like against, you know, free from all those invented tortures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. his, what his words were. So mm-hmm. yeah, he, he meant no words. He was mm-hmm. pretty clear. And he ends up becoming sort of a poster boy for deism when in 1794 and 1795, because it was published in parts, Mm -hmm. he released The Age of Reason, and it became a bestseller in the United States. And it's not so much that the information was new, but it was that his writing style was very bold for the time Mm -hmm. and described as irreverent and even vulgar. Wow. Well, he was like calling out institutions that for a chunk of the society were like sacrosanct. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just kind of funny because basically homeboy don't give a fuck. (laughs) He just started like he was like, whatever, I'm just going to I'm just going to say it. But I do find the beginnings to his book where he lays out his own personal beliefs to be a very interesting read. He says, quote, I believe in one God and no more. And I hope for happiness beyond this life. I believe in the equity of man. And I believe that religious duties consist in doing justice, loving mercy, and endeavoring to make our fellow creatures happy. Okay. My own mind is my own church. Full transparency before that last line about his mind. I cut an entire paragraph where he just listed off all the churches he doesn't believe in damn <laughs> for time he was like i don't believe in this and i was just like you know what i'm gonna cut that he was but- <laughs> calling people out specifically but unlike um david barton i don't feel it changes the context <laughs> so i'm confident that i making that cut was okay but um if you talk about real quick if you talk about him being like thought of as vulgar and like obviously kind of like spitting in the face of these like you know groups that were big at the time it reminds me of half baked where the guy that works at the fast food restaurant is gonna quit and he gets on like the little microphone and he was like that's it i'm out and he was like pointing at people in the restaurant fuck you fuck you you're cool fuck <laughs> that wasn't you, half-baked that was from snl no that was from half-baked but, you know, but snl does the same thing right fuck you you're cool you're a bit yeah we said bitch a lot remember yeah that's from half-baked oh Okay. 
I just think of SNL. I just think yeah. of Bobby Moynihan and Vanessa Bayer. <laughs> yep. That's where my mind goes. Everything goes to SNL. Um, okay, so I, I like that uh, that line of my own mind is my own church. Is my own church, yeah. It's very interesting. Um, he keeps going, though. He says, all national, national institutions of churches, whether Jewish, Christian, or Turkish, appear to me no other than human inventions set up to terrify and enslave mankind and monopolize power and profit. Wow. I do not mean by this declaration to condemn those who believe otherwise. They have the same right to their belief as I have to mine. But it is necessary to the happiness of man that he be mentally faithful to himself. Infidelity does not consist in believing or in disbelieving. It consists in professing to believe what he does not believe. Wow. Interesting, right? It's fascinating. And do you know who it sounds a lot like? Our girl Dolly. Yeah, I mean, there's a I see lot this. of like l- parallels between I- the idea that he's putting out there and like the things that we were hearing from Dolly. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, though, his boldness in writing cost him a lot of friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Because even those who were also deists were afraid to associate with someone who was so outspoken about it, mm-hmm. especially when you consider his main circle of people were involved in politics. Mm-hmm. They want to separate themselves from the controversy of it. Yep. So, like, when he died, like, six people came to his funeral. See, it's so weird to think about that on, like, through a lens of today. Because politicians are going to try to avoid, you know, the same thing. But it's weird to think that that happened back then, too. I know. Like, you you're know? just, yeah. Same way I'm, like, college campuses and, like, yeah. radical ideas. Right. <laughs> like, it's kind of the... Our context is so modern. Yeah. That to try to think of it from such a long time ago is odd. It is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, a ran- random side note before we move on about him. Theodore Roosevelt, who was the 26th president, so this is way down the road, mm-hmm. he called Payne a, quote, filthy little atheist. <laughs> Which is funny because it's not true. He's not an atheist because he believes in God. He believes in a creator. But it's just also funny because I'm like... If he was an atheist, that's not an insult. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like that idea of like people being like, mm-hmm. you're the, like, you know, yeah. oh, yes, yes, yeah. I am. Or I mean, he isn't, but I'm just saying that like an atheist wouldn't be offended. Right. But um, it's just, it just goes to show just how ruffled people get when you don't share their exact beliefs. Mm-hmm. So then it's just like, you're just a filthy atheist. When it's like, yeah. well, well, no, but even then that's not, that's okay too, because mm-hmm. it's just different than you. And you get that on the day-to-day with, like, dumb shit. Like, it's been happening at work recently because of um, Apple phones versus Samsung. The people who are, like, so fucking... It's like, God, who the fuck cares? Buy the phone you want to fucking buy. Exactly. I don't want to hear you rail on about how Apple is the worst thing ever. I don't give a fuck about your fucking Windows phone. I don't give a shit. Get the phone you want to have. Yep. Not everything has to be this, like, team. Yeah. God. <laughs> Anyways. So now we're going to talk about Benjamin Franklin, who is actually a friend and kind of sort of mentor to Thomas Paine. Mm-hmm. Benjamin grew up in a family that practiced Calvinism, and he was even sent to Boston Latin School by his family with the intention that he would go into ministry. But while he was in school, he was described as skeptical, 
puckish. Love that word. <laughs> and irreverent. So he was taken out just a year later. Benjamin began reading deistic books, and by 15, he was a deist. Mm-hmm. His and parents still puckish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His parents were not happy that he stopped attending church and just overall not thrilled with his new belief system. Mm-hmm. While clearly not orthodox, he did retain some of his Calvinist views. He felt free from the concern of salvation, but remained open to the possibility of divine intervention. So he wasn't Mm. completely cut off from the ideas, but it wasn't part of his, like, everyday belief system. His personal belief was that we worship the creator via virtuous behavior and good works for humanity and society. But overall, he... He saw organized religion as a benefit to society because he thought it encouraged virtue as well as giving some sort of social order. Mm -hmm. He himself rarely attended church, but he encouraged his daughter Sarah to attend regularly. He questioned things such as the Trinity and resurrection, some of those earlier things we talked about, Mm -hmm. Um, but he did it privately. He wasn't all out there like his buddy Thomas Paine. <laughs> T Paine. <laughs> yeah, right. Literally T Paine. Um, and he didn't like, as mentioned, he didn't view religion itself as bad. It just like wasn't his bag necessarily, you know. Mm-hmm. His major issue was the dogma that came that could, you know, sometimes come with religion, mm-hmm. and he didn't believe any religion to be entirely right or entirely wrong. But he was a firm believer that religious tolerance was vital to a free society. Okay. In a letter to his parents shortly after his 30th birthday, he said, quote, I think vital religion has always suffered when orthodoxy is more regarded than virtue. Damn. Mm-hmm. Good words. He's also said um, his definition of a good Christian was someone who is a good parent, a good child, a good husband or wife a good neighbor or friend, a good subject or citizen. I feel like that aligned a lot to how my mindset was when I was really involved in church. Because if we didn't do something like correctly, I was still like, but I'm a good person. You know what I mean? I do good things and I treat people well around me. And because I don't do blah, 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 I'm lesser. Yeah. So Benjamin can kind of, be summed up as someone who sees religion as being benef- a benefit to society and to others and encouraging it while not necessarily feeling the need for it himself. Mm-hmm. And like pain, he valued good works over anything else. Our final um, founding father highlight is Thomas Jefferson. Okay. He was born to the Church of England and was raised in its teachings. As a young adult, he began reading deistic books as well as literature from the thinkers of the Enlightenment. He was very interested in that entire realm. Despite his deistic beliefs, he remained a part of the Anglican and Episcopalian churches his entire life. Hmm. He was married in the church, supported churches, all while keeping his personal beliefs a secret. Kind of. Damn. (laughs) Kind of. Okay. He knew that if he was outspoken about it, he it would be controversial and affect his political career. So it seemed like his outlet 
would be these very long letters, like very long <laughs> detailed letters that he would send to friends detailing his thoughts on religion while asking them not to share the letters with anyone. Interesting. It's like a secret, like, um, confession yeah. to them of like what he really believes. The funny wow. thing, though, is it ended up being Thomas himself who sort of outed his own beliefs. <laughs> In one of his books, he had passages such as, quote, It does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no god. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. Oh. Such strong language. Damn. Now who's vulgar? <laughs> vulgar. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, irreverent, vulgar. <laughs> but he got a little more bold when he said, quote, Millions of innocent men, women, and children since the introduction of Christianity have been burnt, tortured, fined, imprisoned. Interesting. Because of this sort of outing, when he ran for president against John Adams, he was painted as the unchristian candidate, and John was more of the exemplary Christian. Alexander Hamilton, who hated Jefferson, jumped at the chance to smear him as an atheist in religion and a fanatic in politics. And then we saw a lot of fear-mongering as people began to say things that if the unchristian Jefferson were to be elected... Christians would be forced to hide their Bibles and worship in secret. Wow. I didn't know Lin-Manuel Miranda was that strong about Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) But isn't that the the drama at the end there? Like, oh, we're just going to have to hide our Bibles. It sounds like shit you hear today, honestly. It does sound like shit I'm like, this just sounds like... If this happens, look at all these horrible things that are going to happen after. What did they say about Starbucks? What was it that they... Was this about the cups? No. Um, what was it that they're going to make you... Um, they want you to drink... To have to go to Starbucks. They want you to have to... like. Oh, it was just God. all of, like the crazy... Sh- I can't even think of it exactly. But it was just like, you know what they want? They want you to have to drink at Starbucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. So he wasn't entirely wrong to think that people knowing his religious... Like, his views would mm-hmm. kind of take it and run with it. Yeah. Because they, they did. You can hear right. it. But, despite it all, he ended up winning the election anyway. Okay. So, there's that. Later in life, he seems to have become a restorationist, which was kind of the general direction that deism was going at that time anyway. Like, mm-hmm. as it was kind of falling off, it was sort of um, turning it, up into, into yeah. this. Yeah. And... Restorationists generally believe that some combination of external forces had added false doctrines to the original teachings of Jesus, and their goal was to restore the faith once delivered by Jesus to its original and pure power. Okay. Jefferson believed that monarchs and priests had spoiled the messages of Jesus. In a letter, he said, quote, To the corruptions of Christianity... I am indeed opposed, but not to the genuine precepts of Jesus himself. I am a Christian in the only sense in which I believe Jesus wished anyone to be, sincerely attached to his doctrines, in preference to all others, ascribing himself every human excellence, and believing he never claimed any other. So he believed Jesus to be a moral man, but not a savior. And this led to him, this is what you're talking about, 
This led to him editing his own version of the New Testament, mm-hmm. where he cut out literally with a razor anything he found unreasonable, irrational, or added in by other writers. Mm-hmm. He cut well, out. I res- well, I respect the idea. When you said cut out with the razor, it reminded me of like Lady and the Tramp, where because Lady drags the newspaper through the doggy door. Th- he opens it up and there's a giant hole in it. And don't they like put the donut through it? <laughs> yeah, he dips it in the coffee. Yeah, he dips it in the coffee. And I was always like, hmm, looks good. Yeah, he's like, we we seem to get a lot less bad news <laughs> yeah, with know, Lady here. I these know, days. Right? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, you know, Lady here. Yep. <laughs> um, where am I? Okay. Um, so he cut out all prophecies mm-hmm. and miracles. Yeah. And instead focused on the teachings of Jesus and the parables. His version of the New Testament ended at the death of Jesus, and he called his work The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth, but it is commonly referred to as the Jefferson Bible. It's so fascinating. It's so, it's so interesting, like such an interesting take, you know what I mean? Yep, like I'm literally, like literally, I'm going to cut out everything I don't agree with. It's- don't get me wrong, we talk about cherry picking is bad, but this is like such an interesting take on that where it's like i'm not going to just pick these little pieces and pretend like the other things don't exist it's like i don't think these things are important yeah and at the end of the day it's also kind of like people are the problem (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. despite this he continued to attend church sometimes continued to support churches Mm -hmm. um but he also declined to become godfather to friends children as it would require him to profess a belief in the trinity which he would not do wow so i wanted to end on thomas jefferson because for whatever reason he is a major founding father that people have painted as devoutly christian despite his fucking bible obviously not (laughs) um including none other than david barton our boy so we're taking it back to david this is a callback again in 2012 david released a book called the Jefferson Lies, exposing the myths you've always believed about Thomas Jefferson. In this book, he rejects all the evidence of Jefferson's deism and restorationism, his editing of the New Testament, as well as facts surrounding Thomas Jefferson and his slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, for keeping it concise today, I'm still just focusing on the religious aspect, but I wanted to point that out that he included that in his book as something he was refuting and people were like, nah, bro, you can't just like, (laughs) it's, we all know, just stop, you know, like just stop. So David Barton was absolutely ripped apart for this book. American scholar, Martin Marty, great name, (laughs) said, quote, it would be more accurate if it were called Barton's lies about Jefferson. (laughs) (laughs) That's like academic shade. Yeah, right. (laughs) That same year, the readers of the History News Network voted the book the least credible history book in print. Oh, my God. (laughs) Once again. I know. That's history shade. There's a bunch of historians in the back going, oh, (laughs) like waving, waving parchment in the air. You know what I mean? Yep. And that same year, two professors of a conservative Christian college wrote their own book in response to this disaster called (laughs) Getting Jefferson Right, Fact-Checking Claims About Our Third President. Oh, man. So people were not having it. 
I felt like by 2012, people were just like, we've had it! Like, oh, my God. <laughs> they're sick of this guy and his shit. Damn. You know? Um, in Literary fact, diss tracks. We're like, yo, right? I'm going to drop this. In fact, a coalition of pastors. So his people. This is wow. why I keep saying, like, his people, you know? Mm. They went to his book publisher, and they asked them to drop the book. And wow. the publisher eventually did. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> In 2015, it was picked up by a new Christian publisher, World Net Daily, and reprinted. And David still offers it through wall builders. But I do still find some poetic justice in the massive takedown of his book and just how <laughs> roasted he was over it. So I'm like, whatever, you put it back out yourself, oh, but like you got fucking owned, you know? Damn. So that's where I'm going to end it with the detailed highlights of Founding Fathers' religious beliefs. <laughs> But I do want to make it very clear that just because I highlighted the deistic ones does not mean I'm trying to paint all of the founding fathers that way. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, there, it was absolutely a mixed bag of belief systems. Mm-hmm. Some were super orthodox, like Samuel Adams and John Jay. Some were Unitarian. I mean, there was just a lot going on. Like, we, there's just, go figure, there's 50 fucking pip people you know plus people there's going to be a lot of different Mm -hmm. um but today i just wanted to focus on some of the ones that david barton was particularly trying to paint in an entirely different light than the reality right um and also because i think we have a general idea of what orthodox christians believe (laughs) so (laughs) i thought it was more fun to touch on deism which is something we don't really hear about today correct yeah I'm saying I'm not claiming all of the founding fathers as one side. I was yep. that's just today's focus. Mm-hmm. Man, there's this has been so many twists and turns. Like the amount of shade that got thrown <laughs> at people in different eras of the country. This guy dropping his book and getting roasted by most historians in academia. Yeah, like arguably one of the one of the best like hip-hop artists of or of like the 2000s t-pain t-pain is involved you know yeah i'm t-pain what's your name let me talk (laughs) you churches are to blame you know what i mean like it's it's awesome it's Uh, fascinating but you know what i I was like doing all this and i'm like am i a deist (laughs) like when you said that to me multiple times during your research (laughs) but i mean because here's the thing i don't feel the need to label myself i just like i've talked about i'm like it's not that important to Mm -hmm. me like i don't care but i just found myself relating to the individualness of it where they talked about oh my church is within myself and the whole like it's not about like going to this thing and doing Mm -hmm. it's about like just living the way that yeah yeah so I don't know. I just, and, or, and also like the whole, like, it's no secret. Everybody knows here. I'm not really into a whole lot of the Bible stories. Mm-hmm. Me and Noah, we got problems. <laughs> he follows me at every thrift store. It's a whole thing in my stories <laughs> if you haven't seen. But it's like, I, I'm not like, so for me, I'm like, I can get down with the teachings of Jesus. I think that they're, you know, like I mm-hmm. can get down with all of that. So it's like when you put all of that together, like the individual and then like kind of cutting out some of those things that I'm also not a big fan. I'm just yeah. like, am, am I a deist? Maybe <laughs> I am, but I don't know. Uh, it was just, again, I, it's not important to me to label anything for myself, but it was interesting to hear a philosophy that kind of resonates with me more. Right. Especially one that's from so long ago. Exactly. 
Like it was a very long time ago. And to be like, hmm. like I specifically remember like when I was in college and then like on like Reddit, when Reddit became a thing, like Thomas Paine kind of became a really big um, like figurehead with modern people that call themselves like spiritual, but not religious. Mm hmm. Because it was that idea of like, yes, I think some intelligent something created the universe, but that was where the end of it. Like that was such, that was starting to gain a lot of steam when I was in college. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there was so much more. Like as always, like when I, I've been doing this for days, but like there's just so much information that like that's mm-hmm. so interesting but i had to keep it on like a track but like each of them had said stuff like there were so many one like great quotes where i was like man that's really interesting <laughs> yeah it was it was it's i don't know I, I enjoyed it it was interesting but uh regarding david barton it's i just keep thinking of how narrow-minded you have to be to believe that morals and ethics cannot possibly exist outside of christianity mm-hmm or even more specifically, your brand of Christianity. Correct, yeah. So it's like, oh, it has to absolutely be a Christian nation of your appro- like that you approve mm-hmm. of for things to not be fucking, to not be amok all the time. Like, right. it's just so narrow-minded. Well, how, like, how we talk about people a couple episodes that can't see five inches in front of their own face. That's what this feels like. Uh Like how self-centered are you that you just, it's not even fathomable that anybody else has a good ideas Mm -hmm. outside of your specific version of this. The same way he's the only one that knows exactly what the founding fathers meant. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is confused. He knows, Mm -hmm. but it's also the idea of like how you can care so much about what other people believe or don't believe like taking it back to when we were talking about like creationism and stuff like Mm -hmm. that where we're like why the fuck do you care like you know i believe in evolution but i'm like at the end of the day i don't really give a fuck what somebody else believes or Mm -hmm. not believes like i have it doesn't affect your life at all so i just remember the reason i bring that particular up because i remember that being a major topic during that episode but on the same lines like why does it matter to him so much the exact beliefs of founding fathers from the 1700s like why is that so (laughs) important to you but it's like for people like him and people of that same mindset, they view everything as a direct threat to them. Mm-hmm. So the fact that some of the founding fathers didn't share his exact beliefs, somehow in his mind, that's a big problem. That's a yeah. big threat. So mm-hmm. he has to create a whole story to back up what he wants it to be. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't think it needs to be polar opposites that way. Like, it's, I don't know, it's insane. I just, it makes no sense to me, but it'll never make sense to me because I don't have that mindset. It's just, it's not a threat to you. Why the fuck do you care? Yeah. You don't have to make up what Thomas Jefferson believed mm-hmm. to, to, to do whatever the fuck you're doing. <laughs> like, get out of here. Yeah. There's an old Jim Gaffigan about, Gaffigan bit about, seahorses he's like it's such a weird creature creature and the whole thing is that like he's like can you imagine being like the first scientist that was like uh the uh the male seahorse carries the babies and then he was like the other the other scientists were like why don't you just say that that one's the female (laughs) and he was like he just dug in harder and he was like well 
well, no, the males have the babies. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, it's that idea of, like, why do you have to dig in harder when somebody starts to throw some ideas at you, you know? Is there, um, I don't know much about seahorses. Is there a specific, I don't know. I got to go read about seahorses now. I've always heard that, but now I need to know, like, I feel like now I need to dive to dig into yeah. seahorses. Well, for them, it would be a dive. It would be a dive, yeah, to, so. be, to, be, to be fair. Um, one last thought that I had. So it made me think about how, from when we covered the ATI curriculum, we already know that these, the kids, their education is lacking. (laughs) And I'm very, I'm being very kind by just saying lacking and leaving it at that. (laughs) But I feel like learning all about David Barton today and what he was clearly teaching them while they were on this tour that we saw in the Mm -hmm. episode, it just really illustrates to me how much these kids how much they're working against when it comes to learning the truth or just learning in general. Mm -hmm. They really do have the odds stacked against them in that way because so far it it doesn't seem like they have been taught anything in like a factual or complete way. Mm -hmm. And it's like literally everything they are taught in their life is through this skewed lens. Mm-hmm. So I just feel really bad for them because they have or would have so much to to like unlearn and relearn or you know learn for the first mm-hmm. time if they ever got to that point. Mm-hmm. And it has to be like daunting, you know. Um, and I'm not saying that them finding out what they were told about the founding fathers is <laughs> something that's going to keep them up at night by any means. Right. But I just mean this in more of like a like a general, like a larger mm-hmm. way of when you think about what they're up against. Right. I don't know. It just, that's the type of thing that just popped into my head. I'm like, oh my God, literally everything they're told. Mm-hmm. And you kind of saw that a little bit in Shiny Happy People where that was kind of a go-through line in one of the episodes was they were like, we had to get out and realize, oh, like we're, <laughs> yeah. like they essentially said what you said. They were not prepared for, yeah. for society because they had been taught these things that were so pared down and so through a veneer of what's going to make our group look good and what information do you need to be a functioning cog of this wheel of abuse, you know? And you would, when you look at individual topics or things, you're like, oh, well, well then you just, they just need to learn this and learn mm-hmm. that. But when you think about how that's like everything in their life, yeah, that's overwhelming. Yeah. And that could be enough to make someone be like, I'm never leaving this because mm-hmm. I can't even fathom relearning life. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's daunting. Yeah. And especially when it's attached to so much of like belief and faith and things that are that are important. And trauma and abuse and right. codependence and, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> it's a lot because it's all interconnected. Yeah. That's Going scary. back to MASH, there's a guy that is a pilot. And his entire view of the Korean War is leaving an army base, dropping a couple bombs, and going home. And he never sees what impact he has on people. He just knows that he literally says, like, if I didn't, if I couldn't go home to my wife and eat dinner with her every day, like, I wouldn't have anything to do with this stupid war. And then he sees, like, the hospital and, like, the people that are actually getting hurt. And there's, there's a line where he's looking at, you know, people that had gotten hurt and they were, he was like, who, 
which side got them and hawkeye was like why does it matter yeah at this point it doesn't matter mm-hmm. yeah and he has like he kind of has like a like an existential like crisis and like breaks down because he had no idea he was just so I mean? removed yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah you know it's gonna be stuck in my head all night what i'm t-pain what's your name let me talk to you churches are to blame <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> impressed all day oh, i'm impressed that was this was a good one I'm this was a really it. good dive i told him dig dig i started okay again this was the writing of it not even like all, <laughs> i started at 7 30 this morning and we were printing it at 9 15 tonight yeah it's been also been very interesting to have two like not super duggar related digs in a row yeah yeah it's been kind of cool though like i just felt like pat was so current with what is happening in the mm -hmm. world that i feel like when those happen you got to take advantage when they're happening because you're like oh cool this is like in the news let me do it and then with this i'm like it just is so relevant to the episode that like Mm -hmm. what i was gonna do i'm like it can be next week it's fine (laughs) like you know there's another there's another opportunity but what's like when we were seeing this guy on the screen and we're talking about like this is just like the perfect opportunity so um did you have anything else i don't think so can i tell a funny story sure Mildred has been with us for about half this episode. So she says, go ahead, mom. I'm ready. So normally I wouldn't. <laughs> when I've talked about negativity, it's um, it's been in the form of like, oh, and then I did this. And it's kind of like in a form of growth. Like I got this, mm-hmm. this review or this email and I didn't fucking break down. Generally, I would feel like I'm not going to try to get in here and like talk about like negative stuff right because mm-hmm. it's not i don't this is not the space to do it it's also kind of like the don't feed the trolls mindset Correct. you know yeah, or like yeah. whatever but i had something really funny tonight that like i was like should i tell the story but i'm like it's funny enough i feel like it's worth telling the story okay so tim i got a text from my friend maddie and she said oh my god like lol this just made my entire night okay so I worked for her for a while for her small business. Mm-hmm. She was checking her business email and she gets an email from somebody that was trying to reach me about okay. the podcast. And it <laughs> it's so funny to me. I don't oh, know. God. It's hilarious. So number one, her name is Judy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I th- do you remember how in the episode with the floats, how I named that lady Judy? Yes. Where mm-hmm. she had like the, the judgy one was registering. face. Yeah. Yeah. Where she like was like unimpressed and like judgy. <laughs> so when when I read the name Judy on here, I'm picturing the lady from that episode. <laughs> and her stink face. And so here's what Judy said. Sent to my friend's business email. <laughs> oh, God. Digging up the Duggars dot dot dot. Good podcast, but your language is awful. I'm a 65-year-old lady and have never heard another woman talk so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. Okay, so thanks, Judy. Um, Not surprised (laughs) that that you're uh, not approving. Mm -hmm. But what's the part that I find hilarious is that we say our email in every single episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And rather than being able to take the name of our podcast, which she puts in the email, and then just remember at Gmail, <laughs> she like Google. She remembered my name enough to Google it, and then have me pop up on this 
company I used to work for. You know what I mean? And then send it to a company email that is not at all affiliated oh in God. any kind of way. And I'm like, is that if that's not fucking Judy being a Judy, <laughs> I don't know what's more Judy. Not not saying all Judys no, are no, like no. that. They're, but Judy. But this Judy is a Judy. <laughs> but I'm like cracking up and I was like and she was like oh my god it made my night and that's hilarious and she was like you know she's so super like (laughs) what did Mandy say she was like you know she's sitting there like super impressive with herself and uh, you know like well, she said, S- did sitting some... there all satisfied. <laughs> Just taught this young harlot a real lesson. Yeah. Like, well, she was doing her own digging, so she found you on the internet for a company that you do work for. So I was like, "Can you send me her email?" Because when the screenshot didn't have it, it just has mm-hmm. her name. Yeah. And so she sent it to me, and I'm like, "I'm gonna email Judy and be like, were you trying to reach this email? <laughs> Hi, Judy. To, were you trying to fucking reach this goddamn email?" <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Whoa. It's like the, the to she knows the name of it. It's in it, and then you couldn't remember at Gmail. And she knows your name. But she knows my name, <laughs> Judy. Oh man, that's pretty that's, good. Yep. <laughs> oh, <sighs> all right. Uh, well, so this is the part where we give the email so people like Judy can send it to the correct email. Of course. This was uh, this was a good episode. Nicely done. Yeah, thank you. So, as always, feel free to buy us a pickle. Buymeacoffee.com slash diggingupthedug. We have one-time options or membership options that comes with bonus content. Mm-hmm. Just pickle released of the Month ep- Club. Just released an episode today. If you have a servant's heart. Yes. And then you can send us a message at Judy, if you're listening, diggingupthedugers at, at gmail. gmail. So if anybody com. else wants to tell me how I am not a she's that you've never heard a lady lady uh speak so awful, that's where you send the message. <laughs> yeah. oh, she's a lady. And then of course enjoy our episode visuals and other Mildred related stuff on Instagram at digging up the Duggers Pod. And if you'd like to send Mildred, who is not a seventeen year old child. Or us, some traditional mail. We do have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. She technically turned 18 in the eyes of the post office, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy listening to T-Pain this week. and Not sorry, Judy. <laughs>